So, uh, if Aisha, if you could lead us in the Fatiha. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Malik Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in, Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqim, Sirat Al-Ladhina An'amta Alayhim, Khayr Al-Makhubi Alayhim, Wal-Dalim. Thank you. All right, so we can jump straight in. So if Omar could recite, and then uh, Klaus will give us the translation. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la. الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا ما شاء الله إنه يعلم الجهر وما يخفى وسنيسرك لليسرى وذكر إن نفعت الذكرى سيذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى الذي يصل نار الكبرى ثم لا يموت فيها ولا يحيا قد أفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى the name of Allah, the most compassionate, most merciful. Glorify the name of your Lord Most High, who has created and further given order and proportion, who has ordained law and granted guidance, and who brings out the green pasture and then makes it dark stubble. By degrees shall we teach you to declare the message, so you shall not forget, except as God wills, for he knows what is manifest and what is hidden, and will make it easy for you to follow the simple path. Therefore, give admonition in case the admonition profits the hearer. The admonition will be received by those who fear God, but it will be avoided by those most unfortunately ones who will enter the great fire, in which they will then neither die nor live. But those will prosper who purify themselves and glorify the name of their Lord and lift their hearts in prayer. Nay, you prefer the life of this world, but the hereafter is better and more enduring. And this is in the books of the earliest revelations, the books of Abraham and Moses. Okay, thank you. So uh, Ibn Arabi will take us to the place, the alighting place, where this uh, surah 
was revealed. And so we'll go to this alighting place. I think it's chapter 297. So pointalisma, the points and the pixels and the idea that the world uh, is composed of pixels or points, and then we bring them together in our minds to create what we say is reality. So God says, indeed, there is nothing but he celebrates God with his praise. So everything there is celebrating God with his praise. And there is no image in the universe. And there is in the universe only images. But she is the site of celebration of her creator using a specific praise she was inspired with. So all of these points have been inspired with the praise of their creator. And there is no image in the universe becoming disordered, but her disordering is exactly the emergence of another image in these substances of her entity, celebrating God, exalted. All this so that existence, all of him, would never lack a tasbih, celebrating his creator. So this disordering, disordering if you are familiar with PowerPoint slide transitions, it's dissolving. So the points that we see dissolve or disorder and another image is seen. So what we are looking at is one after the other, images which dissolve or disorder, and then we see another image, they disorder and we see another image, they disorder, we see another image. The images which are in the universe, all of them are correlations and states, neither sites of being nor sites of non-being. So these images that we see are not clumps of matter. They're correlations. They're something correlated to something else. And they're states, like they're hot, cold, off, on, big, small, they're states. If they are witnessed from one perspective, yet they are not witnessed from another perspective. So we see images, but we don't really see images because this isn't anything solid that we're looking at. And the time period of the annihilation of these images is exactly the time period of the becoming of these images. That is the disordering of her entity is exactly the next one. So this, these pixels disorder and what's there next is the next one and they disorder and there's the next one and they disorder and there's the next one. So the moment they're dis disordering, they're then coming back at the same time. It is not that there is, after the disordering, a new existence of the next one. So there isn't a new existence, it's a disordering and an ordering and a disordering and an ordering. All of this at, the, at for us, which is the same time. So we see these points, these pixels, and our minds create the reality. In the same way with the hologram, holographic universe, we see a surface in two dimensions and we create the third dimension of depth. So when you see a face, you just see a two-dimensional surface. But since childhood, you've recognized that there's something behind there and that if you were to go behind there, you would see something in the back. That is the depth. So we supply the depth. We don't see what's behind, but we supply it in order to say this is a three-dimensional volume that I'm looking at. So this uh, seeing and having to reconstruct what's there is what's learned in childhood. And so to see what is behind is to see depth. And depth for us is meaning. 
It's the dimension of meaning. And we say deep meaning or you dive into meaning. So the depth is the, that dimension that we don't see in the surface. In the same way, I don't see this, the meaning of something, I see the surface of something. And so you're trained to see the meaning by faith. So faith, knowing that actions have consequences is knowing their meaning and to know their meaning is to see their depth. Okay. So this idea of disordering and ordering disordering, this is like iridescence where you look at something and the color changes. So the thing itself doesn't have a color. The color is something which is created and, and, uh, and rendered by the mind. And Ibn Arabi uses the concept of iridescence throughout the Futuhat in one of these passages about the chameleons. So this every day who is upon a brilliant radiance so that this creation at every moment, the proof of this, the evidence of this, the best way to see this is to look at chameleons. You see, there is no adjective in the universe and no state which remains for two time periods and no image which emerges visibly two times the same way. And knowing accompanies the first and the last. So who is the first and the last and the visible and the invisible? Therefore the huwiyat, the who, she is colored and one in multiplicity. So this is how we uh, begin to see this disordering and of, of images that we call reality. It's not a solid thing. It's an image that we then uh, render and, and induce its solidity or create in our own minds that it is solid. And it gets so far in this case that you can ask, are all the particles the same particle? So if you go back to the, the picnic in the Grand Jat, we look at that all the pixels. The question is, is there one pixel that is then in all, that is all of these pixels? And these are students of David Bohm who wrote this article uh, asking whether we can say that there is one entity, there is one particle. And that the, each particle that we, what we have, that we know about, which has charge and mass and spin and flavor and color, these are the terms they use, those are states. So the, the one particle can have this mass, this charge, this spin, this flavor, this color. And but in no way does that say that it's a different or a separate particle. It's the same particle with different states. So the images which are in the universe, all of them are correlations and states, neither sites of being nor sites of non-being. And this is why when we look at the bridge that is our life, and Ibn Arabi says when we die, then we will see this bridge in front of us, and we will know that that bridge is of our design. It's what we created over our lifetime. So this is also, in a sense, looking at the photo album of your life. And you look at the photo album of life, and you realize that all of them are in your photo album, are you in different correlations, correlated differently and different states. And because things that you did, which are bad, do not have a solid entity reality, they can be switched and turned at any moment. 
And so we want to look at the photo album before we die so that we can say, what can I do to make my photo album a beautiful one? And so we look at how we can make our correlations and our states ones that are ones of beauty. So we'll look at that more as we go. And now suddenly inside this uh, chapter of hypnotherapy, we have this story and uh, it's got a circle. So I can see that that's something that is uh, perhaps harmonious with the rest of his passages. So we'll look at this story. Um, when I was walking, I and my friend to the mountain called Kaf. It is a mountain encircling the encircling sea. So it circles the encircling sea in the earth. And God created a serpent on the shores of that ocean between the sea and the mountain, circling her body with the circling sea until her head meets her tail. So the head meets the tail. We stood before her. My companion said to me, give the greeting of peace to her. Surely she will return the greeting. Say salam to her and she'll say, walaikum assalam. So I greeted her and she replied, walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Then she said to me, how is the Sheikh Abu Madian doing? Abu Madian was in Bijaya in Algeria at that time. So I said to her, I left him in health, but what do you know of him? She was astonished and said, is there anyone on the face of the earth who does not love him, who is unaware of him? Indeed, by God, at the moment God took him to be a friend, a wali of his, he made a proclamation which sounded into ourselves. He sent his love of him to the earth into our hearts. Thus there is no stone or clod of dirt or tree or animal, but he is familiar with him and loves him. Then I said to her, by God, yet the, there are people who want to kill him because of their ignorance of him and their hatred of him. She said, I never knew that anyone could have this feeling for someone God loves. This, that is part of this chapter. So. so we've heard about forgetting. So let's look at Fala tansa illa masha Allah. So do not forget except what God wills. So you shall not forget except what God wills you to forget, forgetting. So. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Indeed, God, when he carries out, intends to carry out his decree and his predestination, he wrests away the intellects from those with intellects until he carries out in them his decree and his destiny, then reverting them to them in order for them to take it as a lesson. So the Rabbi says, so if you break your fast forgetfully during Ramadan, indeed, God fed you and brought water to you. This is the word of the lawgiver. Thus, this is part of the kind mercy hidden inside. I mean, inside forgetful, hidden inside forgetfulness. And it is the same with what is forgotten. When you forget something from the Quran and cannot remember the verse you're reciting, the as an imam, the recitation shifts to us, to the congregation. So when the imam can't remember the rest of the verse, the, the responsibility for the recitation shifts to the congregation and someone there gives the rest of the verse. Then there is for us an increase in tasking, so his creatures are treated mercifully thereby. So when I first uh, became a Muslim in South Carolina, it was summer and it was, you know, in the high 90s degrees, huge uh, humidity, super, super hot, and 16 plus hour fast. And that was my first experience of fasting. Um, and so 
one day I, in, during the middle of this, I was I had to go to the registrar's office or the bursar's office, something like that. So I sprinted up the stairs as I always do. <laughs> I sprinted up the stairs after now 10 hours of fasting or something. And uh, at the top of the stairs, there was a water fountain. So I took two sips of water like that. And that's, oh, I'm fasting. And fortunately I knew I had read enough or knew enough about the fasting that I knew that this was, uh, my fast had not broken, it had been continued. So it realized that this was what a what a beautiful way for for Allah to bring me two sips of water in this heat with this humidity in my first fast, um, and it is a beautiful way. So this is why we have we'll see when I be talking about these laws, what the law is for. So the what's the lesson here is that there must be a way for Allah to give you what you need without you breaking what you are doing. And so that, that method is forgetfulness. And we've been reading uh, on Monday, I think we were reading about this forgetfulness as part of our human configuration. So we were created in order to forget, we're supposed to forget. So Ibn Arabi, I'll summarize it here. You and the true are co-partners in this circle. So the circle of who's in charge, the circle of who's in charge is a circle and has two parties. It has you and it has the creator. And so you are these two parties on a circle and in charge is circular. He created you to be neglectful and forgetful. So when you are neglectful and unaware of some movement, so you do something with forgetfulness, you execute, execute these movements by yourself. So you're the one who did it. This vacates the true from agency. But since agency is based on the circle, however much you vacate the true from agency by executing matters yourself, the matter turns back along the circle and ends up with the other partner. So we've had the photo album of life, and this is the doctor's office toy of life, and there's a name for it. But the, you know those that has that metal roller coaster thing, and you have the beads, and you put the beads that way, and then the beads slide over to the next one in doctor's office and dentist's office. Can anyone raise their hand if they've seen this toy before? <laughs> there, okay, good. This is so. This is the doctor's office toy of life. So we have two beads here. And on this side, I put down, there's the Clifford algebra, the geometric algebra. Um, when two parties, two alifs in Ibn Arabi's language, two alifs, when they meet, something happens. And Ibn Arabi has said that when these two alifs meet, one of them slides into the other. And this is vector uh, multiplication. And this sliding into the other is Khalifa, someone behind whom one acts, God acts. So we have the two particles up here. And so Allah is behind me, acting from behind me, and I'm in front and I'm doing things like this. And this is Allah doing things because Allah is acting from behind me. But then since I'm configured as a human being, I forget and I say, oh, look at these hands. It's my hands doing my thing. So my hands are doing my thing. And when I say my hands are doing my thing, then that vacates Allah. So vacates the other partner. The vacated partner goes all the way around to the bottom of the circle. 
And then because it's a circle, that bead comes back up to the front. And now the bead is in front of me. So all I see is Allah doing, doing, and doing. So Allah's hands are doing this and doing that. And so when I see only Allah working, only Allah doing, I become vacated. And I slide down the circle, vacated, and, and hang out below on the circle for a while. But because it's a circle, I come back up. And now I'm in front again. And when I'm in front, I have someone acting from behind me. And so all of my, I see these actions and they're actions of God acting from behind me. But I'm a human being, so I forget. So that my hands are doing this thing and I vacate God. And then it goes on and on and on. So that is the circle. And it's the, you did not throw when you threw, but God threw. And this is a process, it's the dynamic. So we forget, we vacate, we remember, and then we are refreshed. Now, bringing this up is uh, this also then will tie into, in a sense, free will and destiny and predestination. So when you have these two beads and we're asking who's doing what, well, you just saw that the who's doing what is a dynamic question or it has a dynamic answer. It depends on where on the circle these two beads are and who's vacating whom. And then, and so there is not a single one perspective, black and white answer to free will and predestination. So one of them, Ibn Arabi, he had a vision with this Hadith Qudsi. So who loves to meet God, God loves to meet them. And who hates to meet God, God hates to meet them. So Ibn Arabi had a vision of this, and because of course it's very strong. Who hates to meet God, God hates to meet them. So Ibn Arabi says, well, there's only one reason that the creature, you and me, only one reason the creature would hate to meet God. And that's if the creature was embarrassed and ashamed and regretting all of his photos in the photo album of life, which were mean and cruel and hurtful. And so those photos, coming to this meeting, the photo album is not a good enough photo album for this meeting. And so I say, I'm then ashamed, I'm embarrassed, I'm mortified, I'm all, the, all of these photos, which are not going to be good and are not going to be something I want to present to God at this meeting. So Ibn Arabi says, when you are in that state, so, this, so they, see there are gonna be two states, but when you are in that state, where you are embarrassed, ashamed, terrified, mortified. I have these photos. I did these things which were hurtful. And when you are in that state, then God says, actually, my slave, those were things that I made you do and you forgot. And I made you do them so that because they were in my foreknowledge, they were in my foreknowledge of what was your destiny. So when God says, I am the one who saw those in my predestiny, then the slave, you and I, we are of utmost happiness and joy. And the most beautiful thing that could ever be said to us is that moment when Allah says, actually, I am the one who did those things and you forgot them. You, were, you forgot yourself when you did those things. And so that's the most beautiful thing you could ever hear. But when someone comes and says, 
without with the same photo album and says, you made me do all those things. That's the most ugly thing that could ever be said. So it's the same statement, but in one context, because you're ashamed and embarrassed and mortified, it is the most beautiful thing to hear that God said, I made you do those things. And it is the ugliest thing to go in there and say, you made me do those things. So that's why there's no one answer to free will and, and destiny. And all of this depends on, I have to have a photo album, which I am responsible for. I have to say, I did that. I am to blame. I take full responsibility for the hurtful things that I did. And when I take full responsibility and say, I did that, at that moment, Allah says, no, I did that. And all of the bad is turned into good. And that's that very strange verse in Quran. We will turn all the bad ones into good ones, all of the bad deeds into good deeds. And the switch, it's the same deed, but I had to come in and say, I did it, I'm responsible, I did the wrong thing. And then Allah says, no, I did, and switches it completely around. So this is one of those beautiful ways that uh, forgetfulness uh, that we are configured on. But it tells us why we are told to do things and to take responsibility. So at the, at the same time that we know that God is the one who does, we are the ones who have to take responsibility. And that's because the beads on the, on the circle have to vacate each other and come back and vacate each other. Okay, we have any live about this? <laughs> Every breath is a path to a light life, an open door, beloved. Every breath is a path to a light life, an open door. Hi, hi, every soul says yes to the truth. Illallah, yahoo. Every soul is praising the truth. Alone, beloved. The holy friends are past description. Their ways are manifold. Beloved, the holy friends are past description. Their ways are manifold. Hi, hi. Their clear dawn is divine unity. Illallah, hu, yahoo. Their green springtime divine unity. Allah alone, beloved. Thank you. So every path is the one that could be the one that pulls you and pushes you and brings you around the circle back to where you need to be. And so the goal of the fast of Ramadan is not to keep me from drinking water, it's to keep me fasting. And if I forget and drink the water, then my fast is complete. So the, the goal and the path is not the fasting in the sense of not drinking or drinking. The goal and the path is who is doing what when. And unfortunately, uh, 
the law, this path to the water has been, uh, has been modified or built up in a way, the fiqh, the legal apparatus that comes around the law has built up itself on foundations which are off their poor foundations. So, so the one who has measured these things out and then guided, this is related, Ibn Arabi is telling us, to the one who provided everything, its character creation, then guided it. So because everything is provided, its character creation, and then guided, all things are potentially perfect. All things are perfect, and they can be perfect. And so I was created and measured out to have forgetfulness. So forgetfulness is a necessary divine thing that's given to me. And so any kind of legal apparatus which tries to make me fast and not forget is misplaced, is misguided, because the guidance is to know that I was created with weaknesses, forgetfulness, neglectfulness. And that's why I was created. And it is a perfect creation. So I would not be better if I did not forget things. I would, I, to be human, to be perfect is to be forgetful. And so the apparatus that arises over the centuries upon the Sharia um, has arisen over misplaced, misunderstood foundations. Um, and so they have created a apparatus which does not, which is not true to the source. And this is what one thing Ibn Arabi finds absolutely horrendous. So when he talks about forgetfulness and how that's part of the law and that we have explicitly that if you forget and eat or drink in the month of Ramadan, your fast is not spoiled. That is a explicit part of the law. And to create a system, say, I'm gonna say all the restaurants and all the water fountains need to be closed during the month of Ramadan. That's not why we have the fast of Ramadan. And so that is misguided to say, let's close all the restaurants so nobody forgets and eats. First of all, not everyone in society is fasting in the same way. And second, the reason that we have fasting is to be, to be addressed by the divine and to respond to the divine. Anything else was, is, is a, is a, is a horrendous problem, as Ibn Arabi would tell us. But the people refuse to accept this and to stop before the clear rules given to them. No, they establish reasons for these rules. The reason you're told not to eat is so that you don't eat. Therefore, make sure there are no restaurants so that you can't eat. And consider them pretexts of the law. What he really meant was, so we take a law and we say, what he really meant was this. And then we create all sorts of laws that are over here and we don't understand that that's not why the law was made. And they dismiss them at their face value. So they say the face value is dismissed. We got to find out what's underneath it. So this is as, as misguided as saying, oh, don't eat the flesh of pigs because pigs have the word P-I, letters P-I-G in them. So any food that has P-I-G or G or I or P must be a bad food. This is as misguided as it can be. So then rules proliferate, this apparatus proliferates with asserting a cause. 
So they say there must be a cause to this reading. If we can find the cause, then we can make lots of extra rules based on that cause and dismissing the cause and chiyas, extending by analogy. Well, if this is wrong, then that also must be wrong. And right, opinion saying, well, it seems to me that if that's something we shouldn't do, then we shouldn't also do that. That's my opinion. And ichdesan, preference, saying that, oh, these two things, I prefer that this one be more illegal than this one. But so they forget all these things. But your Lord will not forget, it will not recess. And the Prophet said, indeed, God has favored you with a gift, so accept his gift. And this is based on, there's nothing held against you if you shorten the prayer, if you are fearful that the disbelievers will put you into chaos. So in a, in a war or something like that, that if you shorten the prayer by fear, then that's something that you're, you're legally able to do. And Omer said, I was wondering about the same thing now that people are safe. You know, we're not in a war anymore. People are safe. Uh, do we still shorten the prayer? So I asked the messenger of God about it. And he said, it is a gift God favored you with, so accept his gift. So this is one of the greatest of horrendous calamities. He puts three of these words together and the most intensive burdens on the creatures of Allah. As for the leaders, so this is Abu Hanifa and Malik and Ahmed and the rest, they are far from being included with them in this. So he said, the fault doesn't lie with these imams, the, these four or five uh, madahibs. That's not where the problem found. Not one of them ever cut off the law this way. And it is not transmitted from anyone that they said to anyone, confine yourself to what we've said. And neither did they say, follow me in whatever I gave as a fatwa for you. No, what was transmitted from them was the opposite of this. May God be pleased with, with them. So the fatwa is the heart. Take a fatwa of the heart, even if the muftis have already made their decisions. Mind is love, soul is love, perfect is love, God is love, Sharia, Tarika, ways to know, ways to love, Atika, Marifa, to be reality, Atika, Marifa, pure reality. I have lied deep in me, beyond the form, beyond the creed. Heart of light, within my heart, thought and no love, holy king. Dervish lover crying aloud, lost in ecstasy. Dervish lover wrapped within the cloak of prophecy. Thank you. So these are all paths and, and to come in there and to try to, and not understand the source or the foundations and to create an apparatus is a tremendously calamitous situation indeed. Uh, we've got a few, this, I, I couldn't trim things anymore, but this is <laughs> one more. Who remembers me in himself? I remember him in myself. And who remembers me in an assembly, I remember him in an assembly even better than theirs. So this is dhikr. And you'll hear dhikr often in the, in the surah, in the verses that we've just looked at. So learn that the true has an unseen and a visibly manifested sight. Unseen and seen. Therefore, for that which who is unseen, 
he has the name invisible. This is the vicar of his slave, that's you and yourself, and his knowledge of what you keep secret. So there's something secret inside invisible. With this name, there is the inner secret of the creature, which the true knows, and the vicar of the soul, which the slaves performs, remembering one's cherisher. And then because of the visibly manifested sight, which he has, which is based on the name, the visible, and this is his vicar of his slave in an assembly of his angelic host, or an assembly of the divine names, and his knowledge of what the slave is displaying in the same world. So with that name, the visible, arises an open display of the slave, which the true knows. And vicar is the open display by which the slave remembers in vicar one's cherisher. So the, and the, the key right here is now, as for the knowledge of what is concealed in the secret heart, the seer of the seer, the secret heart, it is what only God knows, he alone. You, the slave, have no knowledge of it, and it is not possible that you know it. Only God knows it. It is his knowledge of himself. And apart from this knowledge, there's knowledge which is either secret or openly displayed. So it's openly displayed, secret, and secret of the secret. And the secret of the secret which is in you is unknown to you. It's known only to God. Let's see if we can, we'll just do one of these sentence, uh, sentences here. The proximity of the divine secrets to the selves of the ignorant at the moment of their knowing is a proximity of the true to his slave. So the, the true is here and the slave is here in utmost proximity. And is his exalted word, and we are closer to him than you are, but you do not see. And it is his word, and we are closer to him than the jugular vein. But despite this close proximity, he is not perceived and he is not recognized, except by taklid. Now, taklid here is from muqallid, which is the bracelet or the necklace, which has all these beads. So when you have taklid in this sense, we cannot approach this place because there is no place any closer. We are as close as possible. We are so close that we are veiled. So we go with taklid, a necklace, and we take bead after bead after bead. And as we take bead after bead after bead, we see where those beads are coming from. And we see what those beads mean. Because there's no coming closer to find out more. Uh, and the secret of secret is unknown even to us. It's known only to God. So this necklace or the tasbih is bead after bead coming through. And these beads are coming around in a circle and bead after bead is telling us what we are looking at because we are so close, we cannot see what we're looking at. We can only experience what we are looking at with the beads that go on and on and on. And uh, okay, we can finish with this one. So this is in a sense, the fractal reality that the part is in the whole and the whole is in the part. And so it encompasses, when we go to this place where the surah was revealed, this is the alighting place, this is what we see. It encompasses this situation where every gem core in the universe gathers together every truth in the universe, just as every divine name is a site named by the collection of divine names. This is his word, say, call on Allah or call on Ar-Rahman, whichever you call upon, to who belongs the most beautiful names. This knowing is one I am alone in knowing apart from the collective body to my knowledge. I say this because I cannot perceive whether anyone else has dug deep into this and was given its kashf, 
its disclosure or not. That is among the faithful kind of family of the friends. So the mu'min, the faithful, the wali, the awliya, not the prophetic kind, because of course they have this kash. So there's messengers, prophets, friends, and faithful. And so the last two, is anyone else talking about this? And he says he thinks that he might be the only one who's mentioned this, has dug deeply into this and cited it. As for the divine names, the case was made in his book, Doffing the Sandals. So God be kind to a slave, potentially you, if it has come to your knowledge that someone spoke for this issue based on their own experience, just as I did, or based on another and their experience, then may you append to this book of mine in this very place that statement testifying for me concerning what I am asserting, saying that yes, Ibn Arabi is right because this has been said. You see, I love harmonious confluence and that I not be alone in knowing a thing apart from my companions. This is in a sense the heart of the futuhat. It's never ending because we can be appending things to it. And the generosity of this soul saying, if you have found something, please put it here in my book and testify that that is correct at what I am saying, because I don't want to be alone to be the only person who knows these things. So let's all join and, uh, and know these things. Okay. Alhamdulillah, I mean, so, well, we kind of got through them mostly on time. <laughs> this is a, a lot, I couldn't pare down things. And let me give you some good news on Sunday, uh, Farida, who we often hear from, Farida will be giving a concert on Zoom, and this is the, the details. So please go ahead and, and, and attend to that. If you have any trouble, uh, you know, email me and I'll see if I can help you make sure you can attend. So four o'clock in CET time, I think. And uh, for us in New Mexico, that'll be eight in the morning. And in New York, and that'll be uh, 10 in the morning Sunday. Okay. So write down and then we can go ahead and, and look at the, the chat. So thank you. So Ken code is password, of course. So, okay. Okay. And I'll turn all this over to Hamida Noor for helping us. Yeah, lots of wonderful questions today. <laughs> Please, can you explain huyat? So the huyat is the is the who, and it's the word is the description of the 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 grammatical pronoun who, and the what, what is so of course fascinating is that the word who is the third person masculine singular, but the description of the word is feminine. And Ibn Arabi uses this very uh, explicitly or very consciously in order to help us see that uh, to always change and to unsettle or disorder what we are thinking at the moment the divine is. So disordering is very important. So we always need to be jiggled so that we see things differently each time because there is no repetition in reality. So the huwiyat is the, is the, is the word is feminine, and so when Ibn Arabi is using it, he's then using hiya um, to describe the huyat, and so it's it's in the feminine. And, and uh, 
very important uh, to hear these uh, grammatical genders because it's, it's, these are all facets that are showing us things that we need to see at the moment. And there's a suggestion that it means the one in multiplicity. Yeah, so the, and the one in multiplicity is the, so, so there are different ones. There's a one that has no second, and then there's a one which has another one, which has another one, and each one of them are ones. So that's, that's how the one in multiplicity. And then when we saw the, the circle there, the hen, uh, hen, pan, so that the one uh, in the all, one is the all. And that's the same as are all particles the same particle? In this process, seesawing of forgetting, are we allowed to forgive ourselves to slip in our way at times, forgetting? Right, so uh, what Ibn Arabi teaches us about uh, forgiveness and, and, and the self and the others, he says that we are, we are in, we have a self and then we have, well, actually we have, we have something which is the secret of secret, which is only known by Allah. And then there are different layers. And then eventually we come to the self and then we come to the next person next to us and the neighbor and then the far neighbor and on and on. And so we have concentric circles going out from who we are. And so these concentric circles that we are taught, Ibn Arabi teaches us, say, be kind to your neighbor. And the first neighbor that you see is your own self. So you have to be kind to your neighbor. You have to forgive your neighbor. And so it's not a situation where you can say, I'll be tough with myself and, I'll, and, and then I'll be tough with my neighbor. You know, if you, would you go out and say to your neighbor, I'll never forgive you for what you just did. Is that neighborly? No. But then is it possible then to say to your own self, I'll never forgive you for what you did. So just as you would be kind to your neighbor, you be kind to your first neighbor, which is the self. And so, and this is, uh, as people on the path will know, sometimes the most difficult one to, to, uh, to be able to forgive the self. And so that is to say that to be able to see with complete responsibility that I did this, and then to realize that it can be forgiven and that Allah forgives, and that's Allah's name, to forgive. <laughs> this is like walking on thin ice. So when you own it, you are forgiven, and when you don't own it, then you are not, or is it that a continuous path for that soul, i.e. not to own it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, what, so owning something, taking responsibility, puts you in a position where then Allah says, I, will, I did that, covers it over, changes the bad to good. Now that, so that's something that, that I have to go into that position. I have to be readied or prepared for that, for forgiveness. And that's turning. So Allah turns to me, I turn to Allah. And that turning is only possible if I've taken responsibility for it. So I have to say, I did that. And then I'm told, no, you didn't do that. But because you have taken responsibility, you can be forgiven. Uh, an addition here resolved only with the circle metaphor. Right. So when the beads are coming around and around, so what the meaning is, or there is no bottom line. You can't take beads on a circle and add them up and say, this is on this side and that's on that side, or add them up and say it equals two or it equals one. No, you have to be able to see where are we talking about on this, on this circle and who is doing what. And to take responsibility is, is, is to say, 
Do you remember we had uh, two weeks ago, we had the three things that give us the um, affinity with the divine. So in order for God to love us, we have to be God-like. We have to have affinity and ulfa, so connection um, with the divine. And the three things we have are being the one behind whom he works, two, the image flesh against which is his image, and three, ownership. So when we own slaves, then we're saying, then that is something that is part of our divine nature. But the point is, the law tells us, free the slaves, do, do, not, do not own the slaves. And the law tells us, don't think that because you look like God, that you are God. So recognizing that I look like God, but I'm not God is absolutely essential for this love to take place. Um, let's see. Oh, the next question was mine. And as I see it now, I'm in a different place than when I wrote it. But I wrote, how does this forgetfulness relate to childhood trauma? And what occurred to me back when I wrote this was something is, is it kind of saying in a way that it's, of course, one wants to forgive. But is it like the forgetfulness part is sort of interesting to me relative to that? I mean, do we, are you saying do we in our minds sort of actually recreate the scene in a way that's not um, so traumatic? Is that the forgetfulness? I'm just, I'm just right, curious right. if that applies. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fascinating because the next two chapters, the next two alighting places, he's talking about children a lot and babies and children and, and, and quite a lot. And I'm trying to figure out whether we, if we're going to skip that because we have 114 to go through. Or not. <laughs> so, um, but the, the, there's something about, go back to the record, the vinyl record analogy, so that when you go back over something, you can see it, but you can see it with its meaning. And so what counts, what's important is its meaning. And so the meaning that you take from events. And so you want to be able to see what happened, to take to, to, and, to, and to be able to extract the meaning, to find the meaning. So forgetfulness, uh, partly um, there, is, there is the forgetfulness because something has to happen. Um, now he's not looking at this sort of, he, he's looking at from the, the person themselves doing something. So if I have to do something hurtful, then I, it has to be done. Then the forgetfulness is that I, allows me or, or gives the chance for me to do what is hurtful because I've forgotten. And that's why astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah is what we say all the time, because every time we've done something that is a forgetfulness, astaghfirullah brings us back to remembrance, and then we forget again and we're brought back again. And the whole point of having a situation where I do things which are wrong, unlike angels, and or if I do things which are forgetful, the whole point is so that I can be coming turned back. And so this turning back is why we're created. So if you did not offend and turn to me and ask for forgiveness, I would find a people who do offend and turn to me and I would forgive them. So that process is why we're, why we're here. Um, can you please explain again the fact that Allah is the one acting through us while we forgot it? How then can we reconcile this with the fact that the human being is capable of the most horrifying evil? killing, torture, abuse, war. Who is doing what when it co comes to evil and what is the purpose of evil? Okay, so that's, yeah, the, 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 there are many, the reason that there's no one answer to all of these, these are all very, very important uh, 
perspective. The reason there's no one answer is the same reason that on the circle that you have to identify who's doing what. And so all of these, what we're finding, what we're what we're finding with Imrabi here is he's saying that he wants us to see that when I act, who is the one acting? And so the one we start out with, God says, I'm creating a Khalifa from whom I will act behind in the earth. And the angel says, are you going to create something, someone who is going to spoil the earth and shed blood? So polluting and trashing Mother Earth and killing each other, this is something that the angels foresaw. And they foresaw it because they said that what's being created is going to be having opposites and contradictions just the way the divine has opposites and contradictions. So when you take opposites like contraction and expansion, these opposite names, which are mutually antagonistic, and you put them into this new creation, they will have opposites and they will be capable then of doing the most horrible things and the most beautiful things. And so the meaning of it is not the, what we, the meaning of, of, what we want to see or what the divine wants to see is not all of them be one or the other. It's they have to both be there. And so the same way the law, if it doesn't understand our weakness and our forgetfulness, if they make an apparatus above this Sharia and they say that, well, we don't like the bad stuff. We like the good stuff. We're going to make it so all the good stuff gets done and the bad stuff doesn't get done. So we're going to close all the restaurants during the month of Ramadan, for instance. And so this is the attempt just to, to say, how can I make everything this way and not that way? And so, but the truth of the circle, the inward and the outward and the first and the last is that both are there and are both on the same surface. So an act that I did has a surface which is good and a surface which is bad. It's bad when I say it's me, but then when I say it's me, then it switches over into good because Allah says it's me who did that. And so that's how, that's the beginning of how all of this works. And, and the actual question, the, those kinds of questions, they each have to be, you know, uh, broken up into pieces so that we can look at each of those pieces. And, um, and one of them, so here we have Abu Madian, um, who is uh, and the, the mountain kafa saying, you know, how is he doing? You know, our beloved Abu Madian, Allah gave us, sounded into us, all of us, all the clods of earth and all of uh, rocks and stones and mountains, that this Abu Madian is loved by Allah. So we are going to love him too. And yet there are people who want to kill him. So <laughs> there you go. So if, if this situation of people trying to kill these beloveds of Allah, then you have to ask, that tells us something that tells us that if the answer were Allah wants only this place to be populated by nice people that he loves, in that way, then there would be no one out there trying to kill Abu Madian. But there is someone out there trying to kill Abu Madian. And then Abu Madian, in that position, saying, all these people want these horrible things to me. And the, does he blame God for that? He said, why didn't you stop that guy from wanting to kill me? And so that's the one who loves. The beloved can do no wrong. And that's just the way love goes. And so that's how uh, the Someone said, I was with the prophet and served him for decades. And never once did he said, do things this way or do things another way. And that's love. So. <laughs> so ultimately, is it all revelatory? And will it at this site? Yes. Yeah, so, so 
what then happens is that all of these pieces, all of these pixels are meaningful or can be meaningful. So there aren't the so beautiful, divine, meaningful pixels are not all one color or all one kind of state. They, they all will have different states like iridescence. So when you see an iridescent a chameleon or you see this iridescent uh, rainbow kind of thing, you can't say, oh, the red part is what's making it beautiful and the blue part's the ugly part. No, it's all of them are there, all of them are necessary. And so they're all, all of them are points to go see the divine. Just the way every path, every breath is a path to Allah. So every time we breathe, we are at the place where there is the divine. And then we everything that can be seen can be seen right there. So it's so close that we don't see it. And that means it's not far away. It's so close that we can't see it. Can you expand on depth and depth of perception? Last week, you spoke of the shish kebab. The stick seems to be the 3D perception. What is deep within and behind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, with, the, the, with a point of origin, you have a point of origin. If I'm at the point of origin and someone else is at the point of origin, we are right in the middle of everything. And if there's a line of origin, so at the next level up, there's a line of origin. So everyone on the line is in the center, is in the zero, zero, zero place of reality. And so uh, to be able to see that, that the place that is in the middle, the center point is in the center point of everything that we in the 3D world see as outside of ourselves. And that center origin is the secret of our secret. And that secret of our secret is unknown to us. So the closest, most central, most original place in me is a place I don't know of. What's the Arabic term for iridescence? Aha, uh -huh. I have to figure that. Well, I guess Talween, something like coloration is Talween. Um, I have to look and see what else he does with that. Um, he then changes the words and, he, and he, he'll put it in maybe a, the sixth form. So it's mutually colorated. So I've been trying to come up with like coloratura or something like that. Um, but it's, it's these variegations. And my mother said, you know, variegations is kind of a strange word, but it's how do you insert variety into something? That's you variegate it. You make it different each time. Um, little off topic, does anyone here teach Islamic art or guide towards someone for my daughter? Aha, beautiful. Well, we do have a lot of artists uh, in the, uh, that are associated with this tariqa and, and with the Ibn Arabi Society. So yeah, please people get some emails up there. <laughs> yeah, they can just add a chat. Um, can we human being able to erase past memory and therefore forget and forgive. Yeah, so that's back to that, the vinyl record. You want to go back to that place, but see it with the overseeing part of yourself. So instead of the reacting part of yourself, the overseeing part. And the overseeing part sees the event. And because it sees in this, in this way, this overseeing way, the mudabbir way, this overseeing way, it's able to go through this you know, this melody or a song, however horrible it is, go through it in a way to see, to make its meaning change. 
So we talked about the, the bridge of life is the, is the obstacles that we have in our life. So those obstacles are fixed that we're going to go through them. And that's just done. You're going to go through this, but how you react to them and how, what meaning you derive from them, that changes. So when you look at the photo album of your life, you look at the things as events which have meaning and the events can't change, but the meaning can change completely. And so, um, and the example I used to give last year, uh, when you're, if someone comes to you and bumps you like that, and you, you get a slap, when you get a slap on the face, someone like me just, well, you just want to react like that. But when the person says, oh, sorry, my mistake, everything changes. The pain is still there, it still hurts. But instead of wanting to kill this guy, now it's, oh, okay, fine. And so, and so how is that? The, the thing is the same, but it's up to me to interpret its meaning. And so if I say, I'm sorry, it was an accident, everything changes. And so on the outside, someone might like say, but the event, it still hurts. You say, yes, it still hurts, but I'm, I have the ability to, to extract meaning. And I can say the meaning was, it was an accident or the meaning was that had to happen. And then once I say it had to happen, but then that led to something else, then that, that's a way for me to transform what has happened. So I can't go back and change the record, but I can change the sound that's coming out of that record, the meaning that's coming out of it. Good. Um, there are a couple of requests for the slides and just to repeat again, just put your email address and uh, Shuable yeah. forward those to you. Just put it in the chat. Um, Turning back is like separating and coming together, something you explained in the previous lectures. Yeah, so, the, and so, astaghfirullah, um, it's not simply or not only about, you know, I did something wrong and I have to ask forgiveness. What it is, is that is turn to me so that I can turn to you. And so when I turn away, then it's not even in my power to turn back to God. So that's why God is Tawab, the one who has to often return. So Tawab, you say, yeah, I got to return again. <laughs> so I got to turn this person once again to me. So he turns once again to me and I turn away. Oh, oh, there we are. And then I forget or I do something wrong or I do something which separates. And then Allah says, I'm off turning. So I'm going to turn again. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. And so that is how this it's a separate. So Astaghfirullah is about separation and then return and but what we also find out is necessary and what is true is that we have to separate and turn and separate. And we have to forget and remember and be refreshed and then forget again. And that's because that what we are, our beloved does not stop at 5,342 iterations. Our beloved doesn't, just doesn't stop. So in order to be refreshed, we have to refresh ourselves to we have to put another piece of film open to say, show me again who you are. And then we have to forget that and let the film wind around the, the camera and say, I'm ready for the next picture. And another image comes. And I can't stay with that one either. I have to forget and let that one go and say, show me the next one. And that's why we're always asking for more. So give me more knowledge. Give me more you. And so to get more, I have to empty the vessel, <laughs> I have to wind the film, I have to do whatever it takes to be ready again to see the beloved. 
Childhood dramas for me are impossible to forget. However, around the age of 40, I began to see the growth those pain provided. That was when I also ventured into the esoteric realm. Yeah, uh, this, that's, that's Ibn Arabi. He keeps saying knowledge is everything. What you want is knowledge. You want more knowledge. And that means you want to be able to go through the photo album of your life with knowledge. So on the, and knowledge is, the, is when you're going through the photo album with the divine on the, on the, on when you are being evaluated. And you're going through it and allies without judgment looking at all these photos with you. And you can then say, you know, this one I hate to have. Um, and then Allah says, I'll, uh, it's, it's because of me, it will change for you. And now I see the photo, it doesn't hurt me the same way. It doesn't shame me the same way, it, it changes. And so that changes because my reception to it changes because the divine reception to it changes. And so the divine says, I receive it and I receive you without judgment. Why uh, does mainstream Islam not explicitly talk about reincarnation? For me, the only thing which helps me understand and accept full responsibility is the concept that I plant that I planted causes not only in this lifetime but on past lifetimes. Yeah. Uh, so these these are these the consequences. These are the um, the that to take full responsibility and say what what brought all of this into being what what brought what made all of this happen and so uh it's uh, it's interesting there's a there's a, a series right now uh called dark from and from in from germany it's a series it's like a dream within a dream and it's about trying to find out what made the world go wrong and then to keep going back to its origin and having to go back and back and back to find out what in, it's like it's a time travel, you know, idea. But to go back, where did all this come from? Where did all this start? And so that's the feeling that we know that there's something in us that started before we were born, and that what was started before we were born uh, is because our the vessels that we are in are vessels which are are drawn from the universe. And so they contain uh, pieces of trees that were there thousands of years ago, pieces of human beings who were there hundreds of years ago. It contains atoms and carbon uh, molecules, all these things that have come from the universe. So we have, we are one universe. And so we can feel the, the, in our bodies, things that have happened to these bodies before. And that, and so taking responsibility is to say, where did these things start? And you begin to realize that they start from they they start from the very beginning, and because they are there for us to learn from and to move with. And so, if we were to be created as angels, we would be created as angels. We would all be guided. We would all do nice things. And that's not why we were created. We were created to be a mirror of something which has contradictions names which are, are antagonistic to each other. And then for that, so to see the outward, we must have an inward. To have an inward, you have an outward. And it's all one loop. But where we are in the beads tells us what we are seeing at the moment. And some other comments to that question were, I feel that each of us resolves as per our comprehension of the divine, our intellect is too small to see the full picture. Yes, right. So the intellect is trying to fence things in and say, here's, here's the limit 
And here's the definition. This is the, the fences. Um, and that's where that's a that's a big problem because the, the fences want to say, I want to look at only one thing. So if we have a stream of numbers which are infinite, and we say, I want to look at only one section of them, and we cut that stream, the moment we cut the stream, they don't flow anymore. And the moment a, a wave doesn't flow, it disappears. And so waves, by definition, are continuous and never end. And so they can't be cut up and, and known. And that's why quantum mechanics has serious mathematical problems, because you're trying to cut as a particle, what is a wave? As we know, most of the time, those who cause trauma to others have themselves been victims. I believe that it is our responsibility to break the cycle by forgiving, at least trying to, by asking Allah's help to find that state of forgiveness. Aren't we all Halifas? And, and, it, and that, that is a beautiful source of, of finding forgiveness. One, uh, I, I've always been, you know, you know, hearing as, as a Westerner, hearing the sort of Christian ideas of forgiveness and never really, you know, catching on to it or anything like that. Uh, the first time I think I understood some this concept, when Nelson Mandela, when he left the prison, someone asked him, you know, how do you, how do you feel about the people, these guards, these people in prison, you aren't you angry at them? And he says, no, I forgave them. Because if I didn't forgive them, I'd still be back in there. Meaning if I don't forgive them, then I, I'm still reliving the trauma of imprisonment every day. So to not relive the trauma is to forgive. And then Eve Ensler wrote a book that I think I won't even be able to read. It's just, just even from the description, it's just uh, horrifying. But she said, the letter I wish her abusive father wrote to me. And so it's the letter I wish he wrote to me. And in that she doesn't justify what he did. She explains what she, he did. And there's the huge difference that we don't justify people abusing us, but we understand or are explained where it came from. And knowing where it comes from, in a sense, takes the personality, you know, depersonalizes it. You begin to see yourself, then you are in a position of, of strength, of this mudabir, the one who can oversee these things and not be... Uh, uh, triggered by it or fluctuated by it or hit by it, you can see it this way. And that then is that is this goal of the mudabir, that we be able to see what's happening to us. Did not the mystics and saints discover the secret of the secret? I don't know. Uh, no, because, well, the way Ibn Arabi is talking about secret of the secret is that it's the, it's the divine, it's Allah. And so, um, so if you discover that, oh, I'm Allah, then that is, then you've discovered it. But it's, it's because the secret secret can't be known by me because it's too close, it's too me, and I can't step back from it to look at it. I'm so close, I can't see it. We step back from things in order to see things. And if we are in it, we don't, we don't see it. So that's the secret of the secret. It somehow came up uh, a few days ago, and I'm not sure what the context was anymore, but that's the seer of the seer, the secret of the secret. I think it's about being the secret uh -huh. rather than discovering, which is something external other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the the the, the being and, and, and discovering. And, but we've talked about also this fana and fana and baka, all of this. The, there is no one place to be. 
So, because I think on the mystic path, we're sort of told you want to evaporate into God. Well, if I evaporate into God, then I'm no longer there. You know, then why did God create me in the first place? God created me for a reason, to be separate, to be a mirror, to be different so that I can be seen and that God can be seen. So that is, is a necessary uh, separation. And then it comes together because it's unsustainable to be separate. So on the beads on the circle, it's unsustainable to be like this. Something's got to come up the other side and, and come back up to join us. And God has to have us to be created so that God can see himself in the mirror. And then we're sitting here all alone. God's the only one working. That doesn't work. So we come up here. We vacate God. That doesn't work because I'm not, I'm not God. And therefore, all of these things have to happen. <laughs> um, there's a request that someone put the Faraday Boosman link. And it may be in the chat. But um, would someone do that if it's not there? Yeah. Uh, Let's I'll see. Just, I'll just share it here so it can be visible too. And I'll pull up, now I, now I need to pull up the chat so I can still see the chat. Okay. 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 Yeah, so go, oh, about lots of chat. So I'll, and I'll make sure I uh, save the chat. And right. hold, pick out whatever you can. Okay. Okay, shall I ask the next question? Yes. Okay. In connection to your reply about reincarnation, if I understand what you said, we are responsible for oneself and for others too, including deeds, thoughts, and words. Is that right? Yeah. So to look at it the Ibrahimi way is that an opportunity comes to you to turn and be turned to God in every thought, every action, and every word. So in word, thought and action. All three of those places are opportunities to be turned and then to turn to God. Okay. Uh, what about fana and baka in Allah? How can that work if we can't disappear into Allah? <laughs> yeah, th that might be a separate, <laughs> separate discussion. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, Ibn Arabi doesn't use fana baka very often in the futahat, in, in a sense. Well, there are many other themes that he has, but let's wait until that theme comes up. That's the last question on the list. Yeah, so okay. thank you so much, Shuei. Alhamdulillah. It's good timing. So you know everything is, is right when the timing comes out just right. So very good. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Good to see all you. So make sure you save the chat, keep the emails. Okay, take care. Assalamu alaikum. Yeah.